Thank you, Ben, and rest of the team. It's, uh, you guys do an amazing job every, every week volunteering your time, and we're very, very grateful for that and for the ministry that you have to us. <clears throat> and um, you're just a blessing. Well, how are you doing today? <laughs> Things seems like a lot of folks have taken the last dash out of town before uh, school starts, and you can't blame them for that. But it's good to see each and every one of you today. And um, just want to welcome you here. Uh, today we are uh, finishing up a two-part series that started last month, and then we jump into uh, uh, the final, uh, the final one here, as um, we think about nowhere to run. And even since uh, the last time that I spoke, it's amazing how many conversations I have had with people that feel. Uh, overwhelmed, that feel like they are carrying such an incredible burden. And sometimes they feel like the water is not just here, but it's over their head. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to go to. They don't know where, he- where to, uh, to, to run to. Hence, we started the series, and it's been confirmed for me that this is what, um, <clears throat> what we need to speak on. And so I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what you're experiencing. But as I look over the congregation, once again, I'm reminded of people who have fa- or are facing just heartbreaking situations in some cases. Loss, grief. People that are wondering what in the world is coming right around the corner. I'm not sure about this medical test. I'm not sure about the results that are coming back. I don't know what's going to happen. We've got students that are facing. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like to transition into high school. I don't know what it's going to be like in this particular class. I don't know what's going on. Businessmen that are facing the tough decisions that they're, they're, they're having to make. And sometimes we can absolutely feel that we're pinned up against the the, the sea, there are mountains on either side, and there's nowhere to run absolutely at all. But yet, we know we have to go on. We know we have to take the next step. So, we've laid that foundation last month, and I want to review with you very quickly uh, about that. One of our core values stated here at the church is that at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God is in charge, and what he wants goes. Okay, we can all say amen to that. Wow, wow, that sounds great. Yes, God's sovereign. He's in control. Wow, but what happens when things don't go according to our own plans or what we hope for or what we dream for or what we're planning for and, and, and things don't come out and the report comes back bad and you know the first day in the, new, in the new job or the new situation is absolutely horrible or you get up in, on, on stage and you're playing your guitar and you're in the wrong key. <laughs> no big deal, <laughs> right? <laughs> God walks with us through that. And so the question that we challenge ourselves with, okay, the question that we wrestle with is... Okay, in these circumstances, yeah, God's in control, but am I going to yield to his control? Am I going to yield to what he is doing in my life? Am I going to yield to his authority there? Am I going to yield to what the word has clearly revealed to us about how we should interact and how we should, we should forgive and how we should love and how we should give mercy and how we should walk into different situations that God places us in? Because the truth is, is that when we think about this series, Nowhere to Run, 
God intentionally took the children of Israel out of bondage and was bringing them to the promised land. But you know, that whole story was 40 years in the making. And it wasn't easy at all. And sometimes we find ourselves facing an obstacle or a decision and we're just wrestling with it. And it's really, really hard. And sometimes we just don't know know who to talk to or who to interact with. Sadly, this week, we experienced someone who had nowhere to run. As Angela and I were talking about Robin Williams and the tragedy of someone taking their own life, someone created in the image of God, problems, yes, all of us have them. Problems scarred by sin, yes, all of us have that. And yet, where does a guy like this go to? Who does he turn to? when things are dark, when things are desperate. And he gets up in front of people and is able to communicate and make people laugh, but on the inside, you know, it reminds me of that old song back in the 70s. You see the funny little clown, see him laughing. As you walk by, I'm dating myself. Everybody knows he's laughing, but on the inside, he's crying. Can't remember who sang it, but it was was a very small child. And here's another example. It's a commercial break. If you absolutely don't know who to talk to, find somebody and talk to them. If you're discouraged, if you're depressed, if you need some help, don't keep it in. You're surrounded. Look around here. You're surrounded by people who may not know all the answers, but will love you and will love you well. So talk to someone, please. If you're online, seek help. Please do that. My tendency is whenever I hear bad news, I think I shared this, I mean, you all laughed at me last time, uh, was, you know, uh, we were leaving for church, or Angela was leaving for church, and, you know, oh my word, the garage door isn't working out, and it's all cockeyed, and it's gone down, and we're going to have to buy a new house, you know. I don't know what to do. I, I panic whenever I hear bad news. I panic whenever I'm, 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 stretched, I'm, I'm stretched in those ways because mechanically, I'm an idiot, I can't figure things out. They don't make sense to me at all. Working with my hands and those kinds of things, my, my father and all, he just laughs at me all the time. It's uh, quite, quite hilarious, but it hurts me deeply. <clears throat> I just can't do that. I'm sorry. My mind doesn't work that way. My dad didn't teach me how to do that. He taught me how to read and study and talk. Didn't teach me how to f- fix stuff <laughs> at all. And so whenever I'm faced with something like a garage door that's going on, or when I'm faced with uncertainty about the future, when I'm laying in a hospital bed and my wife says, are you going to live? I don't know, was the answer. That was my answer. And you want to talk about panic that just absolutely wraps around your soul. So we were trying to talk about how to move from panic to praise. And so last month, we looked at two passages in Psalm 77 and and Exodus chapter 14, and we came up with three things. Remember, realize, and rest. In moving from panic to praise, we must remember the character of God. We must remember those things. And the psalmist beautifully laid out uh, a, a scenario about some things that he was going through, and he was reflecting on the Israelites and their move from Egypt into the promised land and coming through the Red Sea. 
And a lot of times in the middle of our trouble, in the middle of things that are going on, we forget how easily do we forget that Jesus paid it all, that Jesus loves me. We forget all those kinds of things. And the psalmist says, hey, I'm going to intentionally remember. A way to step into the future is to look back and remember the faithfulness of God. But we also must realize that God has placed us exactly where he wants us to be. So no matter what situation you're facing, if you're a child of God, you know that, that he's in charge, what he, what he wants goes, and so he intentionally places us sometimes in, 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 in situations to stretch our faith, to test us, so that we will learn to rely on him, to, to, that we will learn to rely on him in every single situation of life that we face. And at the beginning of Exodus chapter 14, God gave very, very specific instructions to Moses. This is exactly where I want you to camp. Mountains on either side, Red Red Sea in front of them, and Egypt, Pharaoh, and the horsemen coming after them. God placed them there intentionally. The, the, The third thing that we drew out from the end of Psalm chapter 77 was that God was leading his people like a flock and like a, sh- like a sheep trust the shepherd. And when the shepherd says stop, the sheep just rest and they trust in what God is doing. So nowhere to run part two as we st- continue to move from panic to praise. I ask you to take your Bible this morning and open it to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. That's where we have been, where we're going to camp out uh, this morning, and uh, think about a, a couple of things. Exodus, second book of the Bible, at the very front, you can find it. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's a red one around you, and if you don't own one that's yours, take it home, enjoy it, find the life of Christ in its pages. So Exodus chapter 14 Exodus chapter 14 starts off with God giving the very, very specific details of where the children of Israel are to camp. And then God says, hey, this is what I'm going to do for the Egyptians and how they're going to to work. And so around around verse 10, uh, Pharaoh's coming and approaching them. The the scriptures say this, I'm I'm condensing this, uh, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Okay, for a moment, put a pause on it. What if you're in their shoes? Okay. Who are the children of Israel? God's chosen people. Okay. What have they been doing for the last 430 years? Taking care of their land. But they were slaves. They weren't trained in warfare. They weren't trained in anything except making mud and making bricks and building stuff hardworking, but they have an army, Pharaoh, 600 of his best chariots, and then the the scripture goes on and says all the chariots of Egypt are coming down on them. And they weren't just coming down to say, hey, how you doing? Can can we talk? Let's have a, hey, you have a nice fire there. Let's roast some marshmallows together, and we'll we'll make s'mores together. No, he was angry. 
just lost his firstborn. The whole land of Egypt had been, had been beat up, so to speak, with God displaying his miraculous power. And so at that moment, the children of Israel, where do you run to? You can't go. You know, and, and there's a whole bunch of them, by the way, okay? Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them, old, young, and all of their stuff. Mountains on either side, Red Sea in front of them, nowhere to run. And their first reaction here that was recorded is that they cried out to God. Many times in my own life, when I have faced a crisis, when I have faced a situation, I'm a man. And men like to fix things. Now, even though I can't fix, fix things mechanically or something like that, my brain slips into overdrive of how in the world can I figure this out? How can I make a plan? How can I do this? And as a pastor, I'm standing up here in front of you, and sometimes I, I say, I have not immediately cried out to God. We become so overwhelmed with the situation that, we have, that, that we're faced with. A lot of times, it, this isn't rocket science here. A lot of times, we will become overwhelmed with that, focused inwardly, and almost curl up and just want to sleep. Key sign of depression, that's all you want to do is sleep. Turn inward and your brain's going 9,000 miles an hour. How do I fix this? How do I fix this? How do I get out of this? And the focus is on me. How do I? How do I? How do I? What do I? Where do I? And we need to learn to cry out to God. This is an interesting way um, if you, you study this, actually. But Jonathan Edward has a, a really cool um, statement here about crying out to God. Jonathan Edwards, so much smarter than all of us put together here in the room. He says this, when we go before God in prayer with a cold, dull heart and in a lifeless and listless manner, pray to him for eternal blessings and those of infinite import to our souls, we should think of, of Christ's earnest prayers that he poured out to God with tears and a bloody sweat. You're instantly transported in your mind if you know the story of Jesus, okay? Jesus' reason for coming to this planet was to seek and save those that were lost and ultimately give his life for those and to those that he loved, which was all of us. That's God's eternal purpose for him at that point. And as he is facing that and facing the reality that he is going to have to become sin for us is overwhelmed. In the garden, he cries out to God, if there's any other way, make it happen. If there's any other way that you can do this, and he cries so fervently, his sweat is as drops of blood. Now, when was the last time that you faced a situation that you didn't know, not that you sweated blood, but that you earnestly came before the throne of grace 
and wrestled with God and begged him and pled with him because you felt like you had nowhere to run. You may feel just like Peter in Matthew chapter 14. Whenever he stepped out of the boat, yeah, great, great thing. Jesus walking on the water. Jesus said, hey, yeah, come on. And Peter, in a beautiful way, and you know, the, the guy who's impulsive, yet he had faith. And what does he do? He steps out of the boat. And then all of a sudden he gets distracted. I don't know if he had ADD or what, but he gets distracted and his focus is moved from Jesus. And all of a sudden he sees the waves, he sees the struggle, and he's drowning. And he cries out. That is what the children of Israel were feeling. The water's coming up. I'm going to drown. I don't know what to do. Please help me. So in moving from panic to praise, let's not forget to cry out to God. Continuing to move on. The children of Israel uh, not only cried out to God, but they came to Moses and and they said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Can you see some desperation there? Moses answered the people. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. There's two thoughts here. When we're being still, who's at work? God is at work. When we don't know where to turn to, God is at work. When plans are going great, God is at work. When things fall apart, God is at work. Why? Because at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God's in charge and what he wants goes. He's sovereign. He's running this thing. He's in charge. That's why we call him Lord Jesus Christ. He's the master. He's the boss. He's the ones that's in charge. And so the truth of that reminds us a little bit of remember back in Psalm 77. Remember all the, all the, all the stuff. Don't forget the character of God. But here's the other thought that I wanna, want you to think about is hold on to the truth. Our minds in the middle of crisis can go absolutely crazy. And what you see, or excuse me, what you think about people and about situations is what you will see. If you don't trust somebody, you will see deceitfulness. You will see things and they will look like they are shady. If you love someone, you'll see all kinds of acts of love. What you think about people and about situations is what we will tend to see. And the truth that we can pull out from here is to hold on to the truth. Now, what was the truth? God had called Moses to to do what? And he told, he told them, read the previous chapters. God said, go to, to the children of Israel and tell them who I am. 
I am the I am, the eternally existent one, the one who is self-sustaining, the one who can supply all your need, the one that you can trust. I am. I have heard your cry, and I've come down to deliver you. And Moses is the one who leads them out. And God told them, come, I want you to camp right here. And so there are a thousand things that we can think about that are absolute lies, not only just about God, but about the situations that we face. In the middle of the crisis, we can begin to think that God's really not in control or he really doesn't love me as much and and that he really, really isn't enough for me in my situation. There's a thousand things that you can come up with, absolute lies in the middle of your situation in your crisis. And we can begin to doubt and trust. One of the most things, uh, things that gets most neglected when we're in crisis a lot of times can be the word. And we have been given promise after promise in God's word. And sometimes we forget it. And sometimes we begin to hear the lie of the devil. You, you know, John chapter 8, verse 44 says that you're, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and says, hey, you're, you're just like your father, the devil. He's a liar, the father of it. And he tries to trap us in these things. Jesus, on the other hand, as he was praying in John chapter 17, he says this to the father. He says, my prayer is not, for, not that you take them, my followers, out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. Protect them from the father of lies. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify, set them apart for my special purposes. Sanctify them by what? The truth. Your word is truth. So in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of the things that you're facing, in the middle of the things that you struggle with, A lot of times we'll believe all kinds of lies about God and about our situation, and we need to understand and hear the truth. Get into the word. Bathe yourself in the word and trust the word in the middle of your storm when you have nowhere to run. As the passage goes on, God says to to Moses, he says, why in the world are are you crying out to me? Okay, Moses, the children of Israel cried out to Moses. Moses cries out to God. That's kind of the cycle that goes on over and over and over and over and over again. And, and God's just like, hey, why are you doing this? I'm in control. I'm in charge. Tell the Israelites to move on. Through the night, the cloud brought light, and the Israelites went through, went through on the sea on dry ground. The last thing that I want to share with you as far as moving from panic to praise is to simply step into the door he opens. Step into the door that he opens. As you see God move, now there's, there, there, there seems to be a little bit of rub. Hey, stand still, see the salvation of God. Moses, tell the, tell the children of Israel to move on. God is always at work. God is always at work. God is always 
at work. And not just at work for work's sake, but for our good. We believe that. We claim that. That he is at work for our good. Now, in the middle of thinking about this, let's, let's draw ourselves back up. Where are the children of Israel? They're stuck. Pharaoh's army chased them down. God went and took the, the, the pillar uh, cloud, the fire cloud, and came and went behind them. On one side, gave darkness to the Egyptians and gave light to the Israelites. God was at work in the middle of this. And God caused a great wind to come, or, or uh, excuse me, God told Moses, hold, the, uh, hold, hold your staff over. He split the sea, caused the wind to come and, uh, and, and dry up. Do you think the children of Israel could see all the way? I don't think so. I think they could see the wall on the one side, the wall on the other, and where do we go? What are you waiting for? Take the next step. And so, repeatedly, over and over and over, the, 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 the scriptural truth is, trust me, day by day. And it's nervous, and it's, I don't know, and will, will we, will, oh, yes. And one step at a time, God leads. Edward says another thing, he whose heart is fixed, trusting in Christ, need not be afraid. He whose heart is fixed, trusting in Christ, need not be afraid. So even if you feel like you have nowhere to run, trust him. Trust him. It may be that point in time where you just need to be still and watch God work and hold on to the truth because God is moving all around you and you can't see. It may be that he's, he's, he's called someone to come and hold the staff out in front of you and he's going to part the waters and you can take the next step. I don't know. I do know that I've experienced God leading and guiding. He doesn't give me the whole picture every time. He doesn't do that. That's why it's so important. <clears throat> Old, famous passage in Scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So three thoughts this morning in moving from panic to praise. Actually, six. Remember, realize, rest. Yeah, but my situation hasn't changed. Okay, that's fine. Cry out. Cry out to God. Hold on and step in. Nice, but so what? (laughs) Big deal. Nice story happened thousands of years ago, but how in the world can I absolutely wrap my mind around this and do this in the middle of my pain, in the middle of my indecision, in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of what I don't see, I can't see around the corner. How do I make that real for me today? Can I say simply at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, 
God is in charge and what he wants goes. And by the way, he's going to get the glory for it. If you look in that particular passage in chapter 14, three times, three separate times, Moses is recording that God said that he's going to get glory. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his armies, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. He will get glory in the middle of this. And if he is this kind of God that is in charge at the beginning, the middle, and end of the day, and what what he wants goes, he is doing everything for our good and his glory. Everything for our good and his glory. I don't know what you're facing. As I look into your faces, I don't know what's going on in your life. And I think it would overwhelm all of us if the truth was really, really out there, if every single one of us knew what was going on behind the mask that we come. Hey, how you doing? So good to see you. And, and, and there's hurts and pains and struggles and trials. But can I say, at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God's in, in charge, what he wants goes, and he's doing this for our good and for our glory. And I would say that the biggest lesson that we can take from this is that God will make a way for his children, even if he has to part the sea. God will make a way for his children even if he has to part the sea. Does he always part the sea? No. Is everything always happy? No. Do we understand it all? No. Just read the last part of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we call the hall of faith. And it's beautiful stories of people who had nowhere to run, yet by faith they stepped out and they obeyed God. By faith they built an altar. By faith they, they built a boat to the saving of his household. By faith they had children in their old age. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. But you come to the end of the chapter and guess what? There are people that died, that were cut in two, that were tortured. And it didn't turn out like they thought it would be. But God was still good. And at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God's in control, God's in charge, and what he wants goes. One final P.S. When God makes a way, shout his praises. Worship him. If you look at the end of chapter 14, moving into chapter 15, the children of Israel, their response to God moving on their behalf was they began to fear God 
not, I'm so, so scared of you. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in, in, inside of us. It should be healthy respect, awe. Oh, my word, I'm undone. But this is, you are so much bigger and greater and grander and glorious than I ever knew. And they sang a song in chapter 15. It's beautiful. Read a couple verses to you from this. Chapter 15, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. And you go on and on. The children of Israel responded with shouts of worship and praise to our God. So this morning, as we think about this, do you feel like you have nowhere to run? Have you experienced that? Some of you can give beautiful testimonies of deep hurt and deep pain and deep waters that God has brought you through, but he's brought you through. And we praise God for that. Some of you have not experienced that. Well, I can say it's around the corner. That's the way life, life works. And so let's prepare for what the unknown future is. Prepare and think, God, you're in charge. You're in control. I trust you. In the middle of the trust, in the middle of the questions, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the doubts, and I have nowhere to run, let's run to him. Let's cry out to him and hold on to the truth and step into what he has given us. And then leave with our heads up, faith-rooted, anchored in this one that we love, this one that we call our Savior, the great hope of our soul. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name this morning, thanking you so much that you are our God, that you are our sovereign God, that you love us more than we could ever comprehend, and all things that you're working in our lives are for our good and for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that we will cling to that, that we will hold on to that. Yes, hurt, tears, pain, struggle. But I pray that we will be a people that will walk with each other and love each other well in the middle of those storms when we think we have no place to run. But Lord, will we learn to run to you, our great anchor. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.